God where it says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Thanks, Paul. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, it is great to be with you uh, here at the branch. Uh, as I was uh, sitting at home and uh, in the weeks uh, building up to uh, this weekend, I felt like I was uh, sort of preparing to come out here and preparing for almost a first date, if you will, just getting to know the branch. And uh, not only that, but it felt like it was a bit of a, a blind date that I was coming on. I mean, Carl has communicated with me a fair bit about you guys, but uh, I, was, I was a bit nervous. And uh, it made me nervous because historically in my life, uh, first dates haven't gone well for me uh, at all. Uh, I often uh, have mucked up, up a couple and uh, I thought I'd start by uh, being honest and uh, one of the early dates I took my wife on uh, was uh, uh, after a long day of working in IT and I was quite exhausted but uh, it was like the second or third date I was taking Amy on. I was pretty excited, I didn't think she'd let me take her out uh, but I knocked off after work about 5.30, 6pm and we met up at this cafe and I was I was really low, had no energy, and I was like, come on, Paul, you've got to impress her, you know, get some energy. So we met up at this cafe, and I, I thought, oh, I better, better order myself a coffee. So I went up and ordered a, a triple-strength uh, mug-sized coffee. I slammed that down, got it right into me, and met up with Amy, and I just talked at, like, triple speed for 10 minutes, and she could hardly understand what I was saying. And then after that 10 minutes, I basically crashed severely. And it was so bad that uh, we didn't even get to go out for dinner that night. In the end, Amy had to drive me home, and, and that was the end of the date. So safe to say, I don't do well at uh, first dates, and um, I didn't make a great first impression with my wife. However, thankfully, uh, my wife's overall impression of me uh, isn't based on that one experience. Now, first impressions uh, do uh, matter, and they are important. Uh, but I think what's far more uh, significant and uh, noteworthy than first impressions is people's last words. Uh, often when time is short and people don't have long, they choose their words very carefully uh, and they often pass on uh, significant messages or significant stories or facts. And I'm excited to preach this morning because today we're looking uh, at the final words that Jesus spoke before he ascended to heaven. Uh, These words of Jesus are uh, significant and perhaps the most important and relevant words ever spoken. Uh, They're carefully chosen words, and some of us might be tempted to think that they're uh, no longer relevant to us, or perhaps we're tempted to think that we've uh, heard them so so many times that, uh, you know, they're just the same mundane words. But truly, I think Jesus' words in this uh, Matthew 28 passage, they carry eternal significance. They have relevance to all men and to all women and to all children. And I think no matter how many times we have heard these words, uh, we would do well to not let this moment gloss over us, 
but to really narrow in and focus in on what Christ has to say. These are his, his final words before he ascends to heaven, so we would do well not to let it pass by. So this morning we're going to re-examine who this Jesus is. Is he really Lord of all? Uh, then secondly, we're going to look at what this Jesus calls us to do. And then thirdly, we're going to look at how he enables us to do that. So I'd encourage you to have your Bible open. We're going to work through it uh, bit by bit. Uh, but before we do that, uh, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we just thank you uh, for this time. Uh, we thank you for this morning. Uh, we thank you for your word. Heavenly Father, we pray now as we look at your word that you would come and be with us uh, and that you would lead us, that you would guide us. Heavenly Father, we pray for my words. I pray that you would have uh, your way in and through me this morning, uh, that we would uh, be responding to you here and now. So we commit this time to you for your purposes, and we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we just had the Bible reading read for us, and I wonder if you can uh, picture the scene. Uh, the picture of the scene of the disciples who have done a lot of ministry with Jesus. They've been walking around, uh, being part of what Jesus has done. But then, uh, and they've worshipped Jesus, but eventually uh, they've betrayed Jesus. And Jesus has gone, and he's been, gone to the cross, and he's been crucified. And now these disciples who, who let Jesus down, who betrayed Jesus, now Jesus comes to them. And this Jesus is, is now risen, and he's standing in front of them. And these, these disciples must have been absolutely stunned. And in the first verse that we looked at, verse 16, we get this picture that uh, some of them, oh, verse 17, they worshipped him. They saw this risen Jesus and their hearts were excited and they worshipped him. But then some others came to see this risen Jesus and they doubted. They said, could this really be him? It can't, it can't really be him. Perhaps he didn't really die. And I presume that uh, in a room with so many people here, I think that there will be the same reactions. Some of us uh, encountering Jesus will be excited. We'll be like, yes, he is risen. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. But likewise too, I think some of us here today perhaps are doubting as well. Perhaps we've got some doubts. Perhaps we're wondering, is it really possible that this Jesus rose from the grave? Is it really possible uh, that he is the King of kings? Perhaps you're wondering if he can be trusted. Perhaps you're wondering if it can really be real. Now, I think that there's nothing wrong to have doubts. I think that it's really uh, good to have questions and to ask questions, to not just let the questions sit, but to ask and discuss questions. But truly, I think this text is making it clear that there's no real reason uh, not to believe in Christ. There's no real reason to trust in those doubts. Jesus, in this passage, he wants to make it very clear who he is. In verse 18, Jesus comes to the disciples and he says a profound statement. He says that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, you have to take a moment to take that statement in. You have to take a moment to take in the enormity of that statement. It's massive. The one who is standing before the disciples, live in front of them, isn't just an ordinary guy, isn't just the leader of a new movement or a preacher, but the one standing in front of Jesus is is the one who has existed for all time. Jesus is the one who has dwelt with the Father and the Holy Spirit for all time. This is Jesus, the Son of God, the one true everlasting God there with them. John 1.3 uh, says that through him, through Christ, all things were made, and that without him nothing was made that has been. 
Jesus is the one true God of all creation. He's the one uh, true God that was there at the beginning of all time. And just as Jesus was there at the beginning of all time, Jesus watched as humanity rejected him. This same Jesus was there as humanity walked away from him, their creator. I think you guys have been uh, studying Genesis recently, so you know about how Adam and Eve disobeyed God's trust, or betrayed God's trust. They forfeited his love and they chose to live their own way, to live outside of God, departing from God. And that rebellion started with Adam and Eve and it still continues today. Still many of us, by nature and by choice, we've departed from God. We, all, we can live as if God doesn't matter. But see, I, I feel that to reject a friend or to re- reject a neighbour, that's one thing, but it's a whole nother thing to reject the king of all creation. Uh, to reject uh, God is something much more significant. It's much more uh, tragic. To reject the God that uh, loved us into being, that is far more significant. And yet, we can wonder about our lives being busy with various things, uh, seeming to get satisfaction from different things, from our relationships, from our careers, from our holidays, but truly really nothing satisfies except knowing this Jesus who we were made to know. And so you have to think about what would be the right response of this Jesus? What would be the right response of him who watched humanity uh, reject him? Well, it would certainly be anger, wouldn't it? It would be uh, right and, uh, and uh, valid for Jesus to be angry. And yet all throughout the Bible we see God continually uh, warn and come to his people uh, with love and compassion. God continually warns and draws his people to come back to him. But he says that if you don't, there will be ultimately an eternal physical uh, spiritual punishment of death. Separation from God for those that disobey him. But we know that the good news of the gospel is that despite humanity's ongoing rejection of God... Uh, God's uh, love for humanity still runs strong. Despite our uh, humanity uh, rejecting God, God isn't going to reject uh, us, but he wants to reach out to us. And in fact, this is uh, what the Bible records as to why Jesus came. It was out of God's great love. Uh, it, it is um, uh, true that in the Old Testament, uh, for centuries, God foretold what he was going to do through the prophets. And Jesus comes at perfectly at the right time and fulfills these prophecies. At exactly the right time, God comes forth and sends his son, Jesus Christ, to seek and to save the lost. And we read all throughout Matthew's gospel, uh, building this case for who Jesus is. That Jesus is powerful over the winds of the sea. That Jesus is able to heal the sick. That Jesus is able to give sight to the blind. And that Jesus is able to give life to those who are dead. See, some people uh, that I encounter, they, they think that God is massive. That he's, he's great, uh, but at the same time, God isn't able to do anything here and now. They think that whilst God is out there, he doesn't do anything now. He's a, he's a far out distant God. He's sort of like uh, the Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't know if you've uh, ever seen those internet uh, memes. They kept, were, there was a phase recently where they were super popular, and they'd always have a, a big T-Rex. You know, he's, he's big, he's powerful, but he's got these tiny little arms, the T-Rex. There were all these little captions. I, my, my favorite one was where it had the text, if you're happy and you know it, clap your... And it's got like the little T-Rex and he can't even clap his hands. Now, some people think, is God like that? Is, is, he, is he big and powerful, but does he have just tiny hands and can't do anything? 
Well, truly God isn't like that. In Isaiah 59, we read, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, or his ear dull, that it cannot hear. But your sins have made a separation between you and God. And so what did God do? Well, Jesus, the Son of God, he put his hand up and he said, For all of those who've rejected me, for those who have been in opposition to me, for those I will come and I will pay the full debt of their sin. Jesus puts his hand up and says that I will come and suffer the death that they deserve. Jesus says that I will be beaten, I will be tortured, and I will be killed so that they can live. And so this Jesus, this creator of the universe, he was beaten, he was tortured, he was ultimately crucified by the Roman officials. And they say that in the ancient world that crucifixion at the hands of the Romans was one of the most painful deaths that someone could experience. And though I think that that is true, that that physical uh, pain would have been uh, horrible, it's nothing in contrast to the weight of sin that Jesus would carry and the full measure of God's wrath, which he endured in full. Jesus paid the the price uh, in full for our sin. He endured God's wrath to the full extent and was killed so that we uh, might live to God. Jesus, the Son of God, was killed so that we might live. But as we, as we know from our text, that this death couldn't hold Jesus down. And just as he foretold, three days after dying, he rose again. And he rose physically, spiritually, and eternally. And then he comes to, to the disciples and he says to them that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is the mighty king of the universe. And he's, he's powerful over all things over all people and all places. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Lazarus from early in Matthew. Uh, He was dead for four days. Now, four days he'd been dead in the grave, so much so that uh, Martha, his sister, uh, Lazarus' sister, said that there was now like a a foul odour coming from the grave. He'd been dead so long, the foul odour was was terrible. And I like the way the the King James puts it. Uh, It says that Lazarus had been dead so long that he now... He stinketh. That's how dead Lazarus was. Well, Jesus comes along and and he he hears about what has happened to his friend and he comes to the grave and Jesus, the powerful king, says, Lazarus, come out. And sure enough, he does straight away. See, there's nothing that's too big. There's nothing that's too hard for Jesus. I love the words of Abraham Koypa. He says that there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. See, Jesus isn't like another preacher. He isn't like another superhero. Truly, Jesus is bigger than all of that. And if you don't yet know this, Jesus, I want you to come to know him. I want you to know his power and his authority here and now. I want you to know that there's no challenge that is too big for him. There is no struggle in your life which is beyond him. For he is the Lord of heaven and earth. He is the King of kings and he is the Lord of lords. Well, can you imagine what it would have been like to have stood in the presence of this Jesus? The disciples surely understood the significance of it. 
They knew that after revealing his identity, revealing who he is, that whatever followed was going to be of great significance. Jesus says that all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to him, and that's sort of introducing what he's about to say next. In my life, and uh, in the 21st century, you get a lot of requests. You get a lot of people uh, asking different things of you. Uh, some of them can be a bit silly, uh, and you ignore the silly ones, you know, like that slightly annoying friend who always sends through the Farmville and Candy Crush requests. Ignore those requests. Um, or, the, you know, the annoying emails that you get from the foreign princes who tell you you've inherited $1 billion and you have to send your bank account details. You ignore those requests. But sometimes in life, you also get serious requests. Uh, take, for example, your boss. If your boss asks you to do something, you have to do it because uh, he's your boss and you look up to him. And so you should uh, do what he says. And see, the more value uh, and authority that someone has in our life, the more we pay attention uh, to their request. And I think, well, surely, if, if ever there was a request uh, or a command that was worth listening to, uh, surely it would be the command that Jesus calls us to follow. Uh, we cannot and must not ignore this uh, call of Christ, but we must listen it and action it with more passion, energy, and focus uh, than anything else. And so what does uh, Jesus say? Well, verses 18 and 19, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. So point two, what is the call of Christ? Well, it's really simple. It's two words. It's make disciples. Uh, Notice how it's not if you're in the mood, or it's not when you have the chance, or it's not when you're qualified to. No, the call is to make disciples. It's not the great suggestion, but it is the great commission. And the great commission isn't uh, something that you start obeying uh, when you're ready or when you feel comfortable and when you reckon you can answer all the questions. I mean, do you think that the disciples, they had all the answers? They had all the keys? Surely not. But what the disciples had, they had a, a love for Jesus and a passion to make him known. And so they got on with it. They didn't wait for just the perfect moment to get on with it but they uh, got on on with it straight away. They didn't wait for themselves to just get a little bit more uh, sanctified, but they got on with it uh, straight away. And not only uh, that, but they got on with it because of the fact that they recognized that it was a command, not just a piece of good advice for how to live. So Jesus in this text is commanding those that follow him to go and make disciples. Jesus says uh, earlier on in uh, John 14, he says that if you love me, then you will keep my commandments. Now, this Great Commission isn't uh, just for the early church. It's not just for those called to overseas mission, but rather we're all called to be missionaries. Everyone who calls themselves a Christian is to make disciples. And we're called to obey Christ's command to make disciples, whoever we are and wherever we find ourselves. That could be uh, at the end of the world or it could just be at the end of our street. And see, it's not uh, optional. Rather, if you love Christ, then you do keep his commandments. Or to put it another way, you can't ignore Jesus' commands and still love him. So what you have to do is you have to ask yourself, am I currently making disciples of Christ? A disciple of Christ isn't someone who's just a convert or someone who's been uh, baptized, but a disciple of Christ is someone who's continually following and obeying Christ in all of life. 
We ourselves uh, need to be disciples, people who are continually growing, uh, people who are continually learning more about God and learning to love God more. And we are called to make uh, disciples of Christ who are also growing. And so I encourage you to spend time uh, reflecting upon your life, even today, uh, thinking about, am I making disciples of Christ? Because here's the thing that I've found in my life, is that if you think it's uh, just going to happen, if you think it's just naturally going to start happening, conversations will just happen very easily, then I I think that you're wrong. I think making disciples of Christ isn't something that's necessarily easy, especially in our age and culture, but it is something that is necessary to be a disciple of Christ. Now, you would think that uh, to make disciples of Christ, it's it's obvious that you need to talk about Christ. Uh, But I've increasingly found uh, many of my friends uh, who are Christians uh, are big on uh, following the example of Christ and being a servant to the world, uh, but they never actually talk about Christ. But see, to to make disciples of Christ, we need to be uh, proclaiming the gospel, explaining what Christ has done, showing the relevance of Christ. I reckon what Tim Chester says is spot on. He says, There is a tendency in some quarters today to promote a kind of evangelism without proclamation. Acts of service are done or people are invited to experience Christian worship, but without words of explanation, these are like signposts pointing nowhere. Or worse still, signposts pointing to our own good works. The gospel is good news, a message to be proclaimed, a truth to be taught, a word to be spoken, a story to be told. I always remember uh, hearing this story uh, of two office workers. Uh, One was a Christian and one wasn't a Christian. Uh, And the Christian money was a little bit of a nervous fellow, but a little bit excitable. Uh, Let's, for the purpose of this story, call him Peter. And um, he, Peter uh, felt that God was calling him to really uh, share and demonstrate his faith uh, to his co-worker, Bruce, who wasn't a Christian. And so Peter resolved that he was going to do everything he could to love Bruce. Uh, he would uh, uh, do some of Bruce's work for him. He would uh, buy snacks for Bruce. He would give him lifts around town. He would do everything he could uh, for Bruce. But Bruce never inquired about Peter's faith. Bruce never asked anything about Peter. Well, this went on for a year uh, until eventually one day uh, Bruce walked into the office and Peter was there already and Bruce was just glowing. He, he was just beaming with joy. And Peter asked Bruce, he said, Bruce, what's happened? You look, you know, just over the moon. You look amazingly happy. What's happened? And Bruce said, oh, Peter, this weekend I, I went to a church and I became a Christian. You know, I found Jesus. And Peter's like, oh, uh, Bruce, that's, that's amazing. That's exactly what I've been praying for. That's what I've been hoping for. Uh, that's what I've been uh, loving you for to try and demonstrate Christ's love. And then Bruce paused and he says to him, Oh, really, Peter? I, I, di- I didn't even know that you were a Christian. I mean, to be honest, Peter, you were part of the reason why I didn't become a Christian for a while. I mean, you seem to lead this happy, contented, uh, meaningful life. And I didn't even think you were a Christian. See, the lesson is, is that we need to be uh, sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, for people to really become followers of Christ. Now, I'm certainly not saying that we should all just go out to the street and start shouting around that Jesus Christ is Lord. Uh, I'm not saying that we should just start doing that. 
but we should prayerfully and lovingly uh, seek opportunities in which we can share the gospel, in which we can seek to make disciples. And I say prayerfully because although we are commanded to go and make disciples, ultimately it is God's work. Ultimately it's God that saves I remember about four years ago, one of my good mates, uh, Michael, he was a part of my community group. And uh, his grandfather, who was in uh, South Korea, he became uh, very sick. Michael's grandfather had always lived his whole life as a rigid atheist. And despite Michael and his family's best efforts to share the gospel with him, he he didn't want a bar of it. And well, upon hearing that uh, his grandfather was very sick, Michael decided that he was going to take the trip back to South Korea and seek to spend some time with his grandfather and uh, seek to lovingly share the gospel uh, if possible. So he shared that with us uh, who were in his community group and we committed to praying for him daily and trying to meet up together at least every two or three days together to pray for him, to really support him as he went. And so we headed off and we had our prayer meetings. We were in uh, Melbourne CBD and we all worked in the CBD so we'd often meet up at cafes or bars and pray for him every two or three days. We prayed and really uh, entrusted it to God. And we were excited to see what God would do. And Michael uh, went over there and he shared with his grandfather. And um, his grandfather sadly didn't want to hear anything about it. He continued with his hardness of heart. And we were all a little bit disheartened. We were a little bit discouraged. Uh, but we continued uh, to pray, continued to uh, seek God to uh, lead us and continued to seek that God would uh, change his heart, that we, he would open his eyes. And as we prayed, the the second time that Michael went to see his grandfather, there was something that was different. There was like an openness in that grandfather. And and, and Michael later told us that as he went in there, his grandfather just had this this interest. He said, tell me about the stuff you were trying to tell me about yesterday. Tell me about this, uh, Jesus. Tell me what it's all about. And it was just this amazing openness. And Michael said that that one meeting, uh, everything changed. It was just this supernatural transformation in this man's life where his eyes were finally opened to understanding what Christ had done uh, for him. And he, he received Christ and put his trust in And then uh, not too long after that, sadly, grand- Michael's grandfather, grandfather died. Uh, but we knew that he had put his trust in Christ. And Michael texted throughout to us all the details of that encounter. And we were just overjoyed. The first text we got was when we were in the middle of a prayer meeting and it buzzed through and my friend, he checked his phone and I'm grateful he did because we were all so excited for that answer to prayer. See, ultimately salvation, it's a, it's a work of God, but in that he uses the church to proclaim his gospel and to love people as he should, as, as he loves people. So we should work together and we should pray together. We should uh, seek to live together on mission. We're called to make disciples of Christ and to ultimately uh, baptize them and to teach them to obey all that Christ has taught. If you look at verse 20b, uh, that's a key part of the Great Commission, which I for a while missed. Verse 20b says, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. See, again, it's not just about converting people to Christianity. It's not just about uh, seeing them uh, come along on a Sunday. But it's about seeing people's uh, lives transformed by the gospel so that they're obeying everything that Christ has commanded to us. And I think one of the best ways to learn to obey Christ in all of life is through living life as part of the community, living life with brothers and sisters in Christ. I believe this is one of the the key ways that God enables us to grow into maturity. 
I think by speaking the truth in love to one another, we're able to help each other to obey uh, all that Christ has commanded us. Uh, if we simply do it by ourselves, it's, it's inevitably going to be an uphill battle. I'll always remember when I uh, first became a Christian, I realized that I, I wanted to learn to do the things that Jesus did. Um, Jesus was my Lord and my Savior, is my Lord and my Savior, and I wanted to learn to be like Jesus in every way. So I read the Gospels, and Jesus does this thing called prayer. And I, as a new Christian, I was a bit, oh, what's this prayer? This is a bit of a strange religious act, is it? Anyway, I went to, along to the Glow guys, and I said to them, oh, Jesus does this thing called prayer. Can you guys teach me how to pray? And uh, they said, oh, sure, no worries. Come along to our men's only sunrise prayer meeting, which I found a little bit cultish almost, that it had to be only men and only at sunrise. Nevertheless, I went along to their men's only sunrise prayer meeting. Uh, and when I got there, uh, they, they said, all right, well, let's get out the list of uh, guys that we're praying for. And uh, this was just after I became a Christian. And they got out their list, and number one on the list was a guy called Paul Rawson. They all sort of turned around and looked at me, and they're like, hey, the prayer works. You know, God, God has worked. And they were super thankful. And I remember being like, oh, I see you guys. You've been doing this secret prayer meeting. This is uh, what you've been doing. And so it was a fascinating moment, because I remember learning uh, the importance of prayer. But also they, le- they learned the power of prayer. And I guess we, we all learned how God uh, works and he answers prayer and he is drawing people uh, to himself. And it was ama- just an amazing moment of uh, seeing prayers answered. Uh, these guys, they'd been seeking to be obedient to Christ in all of life, but they'd been struggling to answer some of my questions, they'd been, uh, though they'd been seeking to share the gospel. And finally, uh, God had answered their prayers. And so, you know, in that moment, I was learning to be a disciple, someone who prays, uh, who then goes on to make uh, more disciples. I find that in my life, if I'm just left uh, to myself, uh, the task of making disciples is often overwhelming. And I think absolutely the best place to start is by uh, sharing your life with brothers and sisters in Christ. My my story isn't a story of just uh, one guy sharing the gospel with me. But it was many people sharing their lives with me, uh, sharing what's going on in their lives, sharing how God's at work in their life. It was many people sharing with me uh, that ultimately uh, influenced me. So the Great Commission isn't supposed to be just a, an individual homework assignment that we're to get on, onto uh, by ourselves, but rather it's, it's a call for people uh, to work together, for communities uh, to live uh, and to live on mission together for Jesus. Uh, it's a call for people to share their lives and to testify in word and deed to the gospel. And it's a call ultimately uh, for the body uh, to work together to reach all the nations with the gospel. I think one of the the biggest things that uh, can reflect the gospel into this world is when the body is working together. When, when people who aren't yet Christians uh, see uh, Christians uh, working together and loving people, it can be a real reflection of Christ. And that they can see a real forgiveness in action. When they can see real selfless acts, when they can see a radical generosity, I'm convinced that people see that and they wonder what it's all about. They wonder why these people are doing that. And ultimately why we do it is because of Jesus, uh, because of the gospel. And see, this is how the early church lived, and I think uh, we will do well in many ways uh, to follow their example, to share our lives with each other and with the world. I'm always uh, challenged and and inspired by Acts chapter 2, verses 46 to 47. I'll read it through for us. It says, Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts, 
They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, we shouldn't get on with the Great Commission just by ourselves. Uh, We shouldn't uh, just be seeking to do it in our own strength, but rather we should be uh, working together uh, to reach people uh, together. We should be forming communities that don't just uh, stay in people's homes, but get out and live on mission. Well, the call... uh, of Christ to make disciples doesn't just end there, does it? Uh, Jesus doesn't just leave us with that call to go and make disciples, but rather he says that, in fact, he is going to be working with us. And this is uh, my third point about how can we uh, keep going. So uh, recap, firstly, we covered uh, who is Jesus? He is the one whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to. Uh, What does he call us to do? He calls us to make disciples. And thirdly, how are we to keep going? Well, in the second half of verse 20, Jesus says these, I think, amazing words. He says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. See, I think what's remarkable is that Jesus knows us amazingly well. And he knows us better than we know ourselves. And Jesus knows that, uh, as the song earlier uh, we sang, he knows that we're prone to struggle. He knows that we're going to go through uh, times where we doubt. He knows where we're going to go through times where we perhaps lose sight of him. We lose sight of his purposes. We lose sight of his vision for our life. And this is why Jesus says, He whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to, whom all authority belongs to, he is with us. This is why this is uh, his final message in this section. Uh, The good news that he is with us is not just uh, good for here and now, but we can look back at what he did, that he was faithful all throughout his mission, ultimately uh, to the death on the cross. And we can see his faithfulness there, and we can know that he is faithful each day. Not only uh, that, he is faithful to the end, but friends, he can do infinitely more than you ever uh, think or imagine. I'm I'm very sure of this, that the guys uh, from that GLOW group who are praying at their sunrise prayer meeting, they, they, they didn't think that, you know, they weren't convinced that God could really change this rigid atheist's heart. They, they were praying, they were trying to uh, seek God on this, but they, were, they didn't really think God could perhaps do this. But God did do that, uh, God, and God can do that. God is with us, and he can do much more than you actually ever think. So God is uh, faithful, and he's powerful, and he was gracious enough to save me, and he's Uh, faithful and powerful to save many others. So I want you to trust uh, this Jesus. Trust that he is uh, powerful, uh, that he is with you each moment. Trust that uh, this Lord of all creation is with you moment uh, by moment. Friends, uh, I think the reality uh, for us is that we are on our way home. That though uh, in life we will go through good times and tough times, uh, we are on our way home to ultimately be with God in heaven. I think sometimes this journey can be daunting, it can be overwhelming, it can be challenging, but truly we will ultimately get there uh, one day. And as I approach the end of the message, I, w- I want to share this story of a runner named Derek Redman. It's a, a story that I've uh, reflected on many times. Uh, Derek Redman, for those who, who don't know, he was a runner in the 1992 Olympic Games and he competed in the 400 metres uh, running race. And uh, in round one, he posted his fastest time ever. Uh, he's PB. And uh, in the quarterfinals, he won his way through. Uh, and then in the semifinals, Redmond, uh, he got off to a flying start. He burst out of the blocks. 
and he was in the lead. He looked like he was going to take the, the win comfortably. Uh, however, as he went uh, around a corner, he um, snapped his hamstring and he suddenly he came to a crashing halt. And he, he fell, to the pain, fell to the ground in pain and he, he, he couldn't get up. And everyone else burst past him. And then uh, the stretcher started to come out to pick up Redmond. Uh, but Redmond said, no, you know, I want to finish the race. I want to, I want to get to the finish line. And Redmond, he tried to get up, but he, he couldn't. His hamstring was gone. And, and you know what happened next? Uh, Redmond was on the track, but his dad was out in the stands. And his dad got up from his seat, and he, he came across all the barriers. And he came all the way onto the track. And he picked his son up, and, and the dad and Redmond... Uh, Arm in arm, they crossed the line ultimately together. Uh, the, the father uh, picked his son up and enabled him to finish the race. And so here's, here's the point. We're, all, we're all, all running a race, and we're on our way home to be with God in heaven. And some of us might be tired, we might be exhausted, some of us might be struggling, but Jesus says not to give up. Jesus says, I was faithful, I've died the death for you, and I'm with you every day. I won't leave you to be alone. Jesus says that I will carry you. I will walk with you arm in arm. I will be with you to the very end of the age, Jesus says. See, not only has Jesus given us a family, uh, brothers and sisters to, to share this life with, but he's also given us himself. He is with us uh, always to the very end. So how will you uh, respond to this Jesus? How will you respond to the Great Commission? Who can you reach? How can you serve? Truly, uh, this is a moment uh, that is significant. We all have a choice uh, to make. We will, will we trust in Christ's life uh, for us? Will, will we respond to his call to go and to make disciples? Right now, all of us have this choice uh, in front of us. And if you're here and you're not yet a Christian, or perhaps you're not sure if you're a Christian, you've been uh, listening about this Jesus, that he came out of love to seek and to save us whom are lost. Uh, perhaps you've heard about how this uh, Jesus uh, gave his life so that you could be reconciled to God. Well, I want to encourage you uh, today to put your faith in Christ. Uh, Jesus, I believe, is calling each of us to be bold and courageous to put our trust in him, to trust in his uh, sacrifice and to, be to, to trust in his presence with us day by day to be his ambassadors in the world. So I encourage you to let him carry you, to let him carry the struggles, the burdens that you have at the moment. Uh, let this be the moment that you pass those over to him, the one whom all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to. Let this be the moment that you uh, step out in faith and start making uh, disciples uh, of Christ. So I'm going to pray and I encourage each of us uh, to fix our eyes upon this King Jesus, the one who is the Lord of the lords and the one who is the, the King of kings, and he comes and calls us to follow him and to make disciples. Christ is uh, risen and he is uh, coming again. We can uh, look forward to that day where we will ultimately uh, be all standing around his throne, singing his praises. So now let's uh, pray and look to him, the author and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we uh, thank you that you came to seek and to save that which was lost. You came to seek and to save us, us who are unworthy in every way. 
Lord, we thank you that we uh, can come and can know you uh, because of what you have done. We can come and know you because of the blood of Christ uh, poured out for us. Lord, we pray that in our lives that we uh, would reflect your love, we would reflect uh, your compassion, and we pray that you would help us uh, day by day to make disciples. Uh, We pray that you would help us to be bold. Uh, We pray that you would help us to be uh, courageous as you are courageous. Lord, I pray for those of us uh, who have struggles, who have burdens at the moment, may you, uh, by your Holy Spirit, uh, refresh us. May you help us uh, to look to you, the great God of all, and to to entrust these struggles to you, uh, to know that you are strong and mighty and powerful to save. Lord may, we, may know, Lord, may we know more of you day by day. Lord, we thank you uh, so much for all that you are doing. Uh, we pray in our lives and through our lives that you uh, would see that you would save many people. Uh, we pray for our friends and our family and our neighbours, uh, those who don't yet know you. Uh, Lord, may you uh, work in them. May you work... Uh, miracles in those people's lives. And may you use us in that process. Lord, we pray that you would give us the words to speak at the right time. Uh, Lord, we pray that you would uh, equip us with all that we need, that we could point people to you. And finally, we thank you, uh, Lord, that you are sovereign, that uh, this call to make disciples doesn't just depend upon us. Uh, We thank you that you are sovereign above all, above all time, all people, all places. And that we can know that you are good and that you will work all things uh, for the good of those who love you. And so, Lord, we thank you so much uh, for who you are. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.